0: All right, we've got a lot to do today, and I'm going to try to do it in a short period of time, so we need to get into it. Uh, So as we start, I need you to go ahead and plug in early today, rather than taking your time and, uh, you know, doing the normal routine of looking around, kind of contemplating and all that stuff. All right, so everybody ready? Say, oh yeah. All right, man, what a great song for us to end on. Uh, I almost want to come back to that, but... I'm not going to dictate that for you, COVID, but you can pray about that and realize that you won't get paid unless you do it. But I, I appreciate your opinion, though. No, I'm just kidding. That was a great, great song to go into what we're going into. I, I was thinking a minute ago, just um, we were, uh, I don't remember when this was, but we were with some of our friends, and um, and their their child was particularly, uh, their son was particularly uh, uh, he, wanted to, so he was social. He wanted to be involved in the adult conversation. So he was constantly in the room with us, you know, listening and trying to give input. And, and I remember one time uh, the, we were talking about uh, food that we liked. And he said, oh, I love that stuff. And the mom looked at him and said, you've never even had that before. You know, and, he's, and he kind of got embarrassed and, you know, eventually walked out of the room. But I thought about that today, just about us singing this song to God. Uh, when, I, when we were singing, I thought, That's, it's so much like that. I think some of us feel like that we want to be a part of something. You know, maybe you're here because you want to be a part of something and, and you like the people and you so desperately want to be able to say, oh, yeah, I love Jesus too. And maybe you're singing the song today and legitimately there was, if you were to be honest, instead of trying to be social, <laughs> there might be nothing there. Y'all getting, what, getting my drift? I mean, it's like we say, oh, yeah, we love God. What am I supposed to do with all my kingdoms next to you? Uh, you know, I, I could have the world more, and it's nothing next to you. Really? Is that really from your heart? It's okay if it is. I mean, I know it is from some of your hearts. I mean, legitimately this morning I was singing that. It was from my heart. But I've also thought, man, what a trap we get into of trying to be a part of church after church after church, trying to fit in by saying the right things, singing the right words, and, and, you know, just so that people around us will say, oh, okay, everything's okay. And, and honestly, from what we're from the story we're, we're reading now and this idea or concept of abiding in Christ, legitimately abiding in Christ, it is mandatory if you're ever going to have a, a relationship with Christ where you're abiding in him and coming to know him for who he is, that you get past that. That you quit trying to be social. Quit trying to be a part of the group and instead just be a part of him. And then that will automatically make you a part of the group. Right? So... I hope today this will be real for you. Man, I'm so excited about what the Lord's been doing this past week. I've been praying for you this week. Uh, and you might not have enjoyed the experiences that you had as a result or in response to the prayers. But I've been praying that God will get you to the end of fishing, that you would fish and catch nothing all week long. And, uh, and it turned around on me on Friday, by the way, or Saturday. Saturday? Friday, no, Saturday morning about 4 o'clock turned around on me. So I had my experience uh, this week of fishing and catching nothing and then God coming in and giving me a specific word for me. All right, that's for you today. Man, all this is, is lined up. If you can just somehow get your flesh trained enough or in your mind focused enough that you can grab this message today, I really believe God's going to change some lives, change some hearts. And that's what we're talking about is how does our heart change so that we really do sing these things and really mean it? How, how, what, how does that transition happen? Uh, a lot of us think it's us. I think we found it pretty clear last week that it's not. It is God. God has to do this work. And sometimes when we're struggling to make something happen in our own hearts, that's more, of, that's more counterproductive than it is helpful. Matter of fact, I would say 90% of the time. And, and in this story, I think uh, we see clearly that, that Jesus is trying to communicate something to us about how our efforts get in the way. All right, so let's read the text and we'll move on from where we left off last week. Like I said, a lot to cover today. I mean, it's not really a lot of text. It's just a lot in my heart that I want to get out. So we'll see how much comes out today. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 is our passage. It's the story of the calling of Peter. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of the Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets getting into one of the boats which was Simon's he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat and when he had finished speaking he said to Simon put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch and Simon answered master we toiled all night all night and caught or took nothing but at your word i will let down the nets and when he had done this They enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, or to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Another version says, and I will use it today, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Not not another version, but another uh, gospel says it that way. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, last week, we began uh, taking a look at this passage to reevaluate for ourselves as a church uh, the abiding principles that we talk about. It's one of our TGP distinctives. Uh, What does it mean to abide in Christ? And understanding that abiding consists of, number one, knowing the will of God in specific situations in your life, in general situations and principles for life, but knowing the will of God. And then number two, working past our faith challenges to obey God. There's always going to be faith challenges. And so we saw that Jesus taught, uh, caught Peter at a time when he was not abiding, even though he had already met Jesus and already understood who he was to a certain degree. He knew that he'd been told that he was the Messiah, as a matter of fact, in our passage today, we read just a few minutes ago that that Peter responds to his command by, by calling him Master in verse five. Uh, that's going to be a key word. Uh, this week, I was talking with Justin uh, Langford, one of Dr. Langford, one of our New Testament professors, and telling him about the message and how excited I was about this particular message and he said uh, and, and as he was leaving, he said, "By the way." You know, there's a little kind of a nuance in, in, in that, that supports what you were, what God had given you for the for the church, and this is this is it. It's this word master, uh, the word that he uses master at the beginning of this scenario when before he actually obeys Jesus. That word means a person of high status, particularly in view of a role of leadership. So it's kind of a generic person of high status who. Uh, is a leader and and you respect them because of that it's very generic very matter of fact uh, kind of of leader but Peter wasn't abiding in Jesus and it's obvious even by this word you'll see how he responds later uh, as we close out the message today in abiding terms Peter had had not yet come to know Jesus by experience he knew him as a leader he was told that he was a messiah but we saw last week that his heart had not yet transitioned. And so, just as we're talking about for us today, if your, if your heart has not transitioned so that you really believe in your heart that he is Messiah, your Savior, your Redeemer, if your heart hasn't responded to him, and if, you're, if you have become a believer, you met him, but you haven't been feeling a desire at all to serve God, that's okay. God came to Peter where he was. Jesus walked the crowd towards Peter with the intention of giving him this experience. And God wants to come into, into your heart too. He wants to come and, and change your heart and allow you to be affected to the point that your heart, from your heart, you obey him. Now, how do we know that Jesus, that Peter had not made that commitment? We saw last week that Peter was not, uh, he had no heart for, for Jesus. He's washing his nets. Routine system, right? It's daily routine. Matter of fact, the worst part of his routine. How many of you guys like to clean up after you've had after you've done all your work, right? I can tell you, I'm not that guy. Matter of fact, there's still stuff laying around the house in the place where I left it when I finished the project, right? Nobody likes to clean up. Peter's cleaning up rather than hearing Jesus. He has not had a heart change. He doesn't have a heart for God, and then also his word is being taught, and Peter doesn't care. And we've already we already know that. Abiding means that we are hungry for the word of God. So something had to happen in Peter's heart. So Jesus brings the crowd toward Peter and ultimately gets on Peter's boat. I love that. I hope last week that you got there. I hope that last week that you got to the point where you at least were not resistant to Jesus stepping onto your boat. I hope that today that you've come with that in your mind again. That, that you are ready for Jesus to get into your life, to get into the thing that's actually distracting you, the thing that actually drives you to move outside of, of knowing God. I hope that you're here today and, and you've had that taken away from you, that you fished all week and caught nothing, that whatever it is that you've been, has been your distraction, that you've gotten to the point where you have no heart for that this week. Jesus did what was necessary to prepare Peter's heart for change. And then he steps into his boat. And I hope that, that you understand that uh, last week that that God wants to be in your boat. He wants to be in your life. He wants you to have a heart change. And, and last week for me, I had an experience where God dealt with mine. Uh, in live group, a number of you were sharing some of the things that were for you, the thing that was distracting you, the thing that was constantly that you kept wanting to have control of for me it's impression management I always want people to think well of me this past week I had an experience uh, early in the week where somebody thought poorly of me uh, and I I knew it for a fact it was someone shared information with me I knew that that person thought poorly of me actually it was two people And when the things were shared, I kind of blew them off a little bit. It cut me a little bit, but then I kind of blew them off, I thought. And then Friday uh, or Saturday morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up, and it was on my mind. And this is what happens for me. I don't know how the rest of you guys respond uh, in the early morning, but Satan a lot of times will grab my mind because in the morning I'm not able to really fight. I don't think well. I'm not thinking uh, straight. So I'm laying in bed, and that thought gets in my mind, and then Satan starts building it up. And by the way, you're sorry, Pastor. And by the way, the stuff that you're doing is not right. Uh, you need to be more like everybody else. Uh, and one thing after another started coming up, and, and, uh, you know, and I was beginning to feel anxious and never did go back to sleep that morning. I got up and got in my quiet time, and, uh, and immediately God started attacking that. Everything that I was reading, and I shared it with Delilah, and everything that she read that morning was all about what I was dealing with. I'm saying it directly. It, it, he addressed all the specific issues that I was dealing with. And then uh, it clicked for me. Actually, that morning, uh, Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening devotion, I read just about every day. That morning, I read Charles Spurgeon's morning devotion. It was this text, and he said exactly what, I, what my problem was. And I thought, well, I've been thinking all week, I'm excited about sharing this message with the church about, you know, fishing all night and catching nothing. I literally fished all night and caught nothing. All I caught was heartburn and anxiety. There was nothing valuable about me worrying about what people thought of me. And then Jesus says it that morning and and shows me, gives me a word specifically for me. And he set me up this past week. I hope he set you up too. Today, we're going to pick up at verse 3, where Jesus stepped onto the boat. Not only did Jesus set Peter up, but Jesus finishes the job. And he's going to finish the job for you, too. He's, do, he's done it for me. and he's, he's, I know that I'm not completely done, and neither was Peter after this experience. Peter went back to fishing another time. But God was working in Peter's life. And in this instant, Peter came to the realization of who Jesus was. So in verse 3, uh, once Peter fished all night and caught nothing, washed his nets, and then was found by Jesus, uh, and step, Jesus stepped on the boat, now the stage was set for Peter to come to know Jesus in a way that would change his heart. So let's evaluate uh, the events that occurred on Peter's vessel and what happened to Peter's heart. In verse 3, it says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. All right. First thing that happens is Jesus brought his word into the boat. Jesus was preaching his word now, and Peter took Peter's distraction away from it. Man, this was a new truth for me—not new truth, but a new, a new truth from this passage this week, and so valuable for us y'all ready to take it this is what he says all right this is what he did Peter Jesus had been preaching and was and people were loving his word and hearing his word and Jesus's word is effective but if your heart's not there to receive it and you're distracted the word has nothing it will do nothing in your life it the reading of the word the preaching of the word the speaking of the word uh, the memorizing of the word if your heart is not changed it means nothing to you that's why we can I can preach a message Sunday after Sunday for some of you and your minds never engage your hearts never get involved Uh, so what does Jesus do he takes his distraction of washing his nets away gets him out of his routine steps onto his boat and asks him to push away from the shore and then he still preaches the word Jesus gets on his boat and starts preaching the word there's a better chance because Peter has put him, is now in the boat with Jesus and Jesus is preaching the word that now he might hear it. But there's no evidence that he does. We don't know what Jesus was teaching the crowd. I mean, we could speculate that some of what Jesus was teaching Peter was grabbing. But here's a principle that God showed me this week. Sometimes, probably most of the time, probably right this minute, as I'm speaking the word that God has for this body and for you because you're here, you are probably not catching it. You, you, find, you figure out where you are mentally. Are you really engaged in the message? And even if you're engaged in the message and you're hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth and the things that we read in Scripture, has there, has there been any effect on your life? It's okay. It's okay. Don't feel bad about it or guilty about it, but just recognize it. And Jesus, you, you have come here. That's good. You, God has led you here for whatever reason. This may be the only time you come, but you're here today for a reason. God brought you here. And here's what happens. Most of what I say is going to go in one ear and out the other. But the second thing that happens in this scenario is Peter hears. Jesus makes it personal. He tells him something now in such a way that it's going to transform Peter's heart. Peter's going to hear something. Have you ever been in church uh, maybe today? Where you where you, you hear the message being preached, and then all of a sudden, some something from the message, man, it speaks to you. And it's like, did somebody tell him about me? Because he just spoke exactly what I've been feeling. Have you ever had that experience? That's what happens when Jesus is in the boat with you. That's what happens when you put yourself under the word of God. Or or Jesus brings you to a place like this. Or to a quiet time. Or to to the scripture to read or to hear. So not only did Jesus step on the boat. Not only did that mean that he got to hear the word of God in general. Now it also meant that Jesus was going to give a specific word to Peter. He's no longer speaking to the crowd when he comes into Peter's life. All right. This is. This sermon today is all of a sudden going to be going to narrow down and hit you right in, the, right in the eyes. It's been shotgun up till now. But then all of a sudden, the message at some point is going to be narrowed down and Jesus is not going to be speaking to the crowd anymore. And it's going to come right to you. Man, you Cherish those moments. That's what abiding is. Abiding is, I'm, I'm absorbing, I'm immersed in the word of God. We talk about that. Immerse yourself in the word of God. But then don't just read it, memorize it, meditate on it, listen to it. But let God take his word. Let the Holy Spirit take his word and drive that, that point right into your heart and meet you where you are. He does it for Peter in the story. In verse 4, it says, And he, when, when he had finished speaking, He said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. We know that the first stage of abiding. First thing that we have to do in order to abide in Christ, which, by the way, is nothing more than obeying what he says. But the first stage is we need to hear and understand the command of God. Now Peter's heart had not yet been changed. Uh, The heart changed is waiting on Peter's response to what Jesus tells him in just a few minutes. He says, put down your nets. Put down out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. There's the command. This is the most significant thing that Peter hears all day. Now, (laughs) man, I'm telling you, I'm so full of stuff that I want to say to you guys, but just understand, when Jesus is speaking to you, when the Holy Spirit highlights a word for your life, that's the most important word you're going to hear. And Jesus today is here. He's standing by. The Holy Spirit is here. He stepped onto the boat, and he wants to speak to you. The most important thing you're going to hear today is not some wisdom that I can share about anything regarding the word of God. I can read it, and it's, every word of this is God's word, which makes it significant. But it's not significant to you until you, the Holy Spirit highlights that word that you need to hear today. But as soon as that happens then all the possibilities for you to come to know God in a way that transforms your heart has happened. Jesus speaks to Peter, and he tells him that. And just because you understand the word that God has spoken also doesn't mean that you've had a heart change. Even if I understand it in its original language, and its context, just because I've heard it doesn't mean that my life's going to be changed or my heart's going to be changed. But one thing you can count on, When the Holy Spirit speaks a command to you, specifically for your life, you have all that you need to move on. You need nothing else. And Satan's so good at at this point to bring doubt, confusion, fear, anxiety, sometimes laziness or distractions, hesitation. When you hear God's word for you, you know what God is saying for you to do. When you hear it, he knows that heart change is on the way. And the biggest threat to, to Satan's kingdom's agenda is that your heart would be changed. It's not that you would act like a Christian. It's that you would have a heart change in relation to Jesus. That you would have this trans, transformation that happens on the inside that we sing about today. About our hearts of stone being made flesh. That's what God does to us. Peter had everything he needed to have a heart change as soon as he received the command from Jesus, and so do you. So Jesus did his part. Jesus did all he needed to do. He stepped onto Peter's boat. He preached the word of God to the people in in Peter's presence, and he made it personal for Peter. Now it's time for Peter to respond. And we can learn from the response that Peter has about where heart change comes from. Look at Peter's response. First of all, he had a faith challenge. Verse 5 of chapter 5, the first part of it says, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Master, remember, a person of high status, particularly if view of a role of leadership. Master, teacher, wise man, leader. We toiled all night and took nothing. Hauled all night and took nothing. Fished hard. Did everything we could. We talked last last week about, here's Peter, a professional fisherman, knows what to do. He did what he was supposed to do to catch fish and caught nothing. A number of you shared in life groups this past week. I shared this morning about my Friday morning experience. What is it that, that, that you are counting on to bring fulfillment, contentment, joy to make life worth living what are you counting on is it a relationship with somebody is it it the status that you gain is it the knowledge that you're gaining Uh, is it the money that you have what is it for you God had already brought Peter to the end of himself but Peter mentions it here that's why we know it logic said it's not the right time to fish logic said You fished all night and caught nothing. There are no fish in the water. And yet Jesus gives a command. Toiled all night and caught nothing. Peter had to get beyond his own wisdom, his own experience. He had to get beyond his own hopes for what he could do and his own power. And he had to act in faith. Which is what? The evidence of things not seen. Right? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. He had to take his eyes off of what he knew and what he could see and put his eyes on the, the evidence that he couldn't see. And so he does. Second thing Peter did, number one, he had a faith challenge. He overcame that faith challenge, and he says this in, in verse uh, 5. He says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing but, at your word, I will let it down. Peter obeyed the command that Jesus spoke now i don 't want to make a big deal out of this because it 's not a big deal. This is the smallest deal of the whole abiding process obedience it 's the smallest deal because once you've worked past your faith challenge once you've allowed once you 've seen something in in Jesus. That causes you to say, I, I'm going to go against all logic and I'm going to obey what Jesus said. That's the smallest deal. Peter says, At your word, I will. If we can get that attitude, that heart about us, where we would just say, At your word, I will, then I promise you, God will change your heart. Satan tries to complicate it. But he can't. It's just simple. Just obey what God says. Don't let Satan fool you into thinking you don't know what he says. You know what he says. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees who didn't hear anything that he said. They heard, but they didn't believe anything he said. And here's what he says. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's how simple it is. We're sheep. Dumb sheep. Too dumb to take care of ourselves. What do sheep do? They hear the voice of the master and they do what he says. That's it. It's not complicated. Then verse 6 and 7, he says, And when they had done this, they closed a large number, enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. All right, now here comes the, the God exclusive activity. When we're abiding in Christ, stage one is God makes his will known to us. So he gets into our hearts, speaks what it is he wants us to know by his Holy Spirit in a way that we understand it very clearly. Here's what I want you to do. Logic says, no, it's not logical. Our logic says, I can't do it. It's bigger than me. But whatever the case, we recognize that because he said it, we will and we do it now. Now, you just opened up the opportunity for God-exclusive activity. And so, for Peter, what happens? Not until he casts his nets out, but as soon as he casts his nets out, they became filled with fish. It was something that God did. He knew God did it because he fished all night and caught nothing. And now his nets are full of fish. So many fish that he had to call the other, had to call James and John to bring their boat out. And both boats were sinking for all the fish that they caught. That's a God-exclusive event. That is something only God can do. That's what we need. We need to see God do what God can do. And the only way that's going to happen is when we allow this process to be completed in our lives. Where we get to the end of ourselves. We fish all night and catch nothing. So all this contentment and joy and peace and all this happiness and fulfillment that you're looking for in life by fishing all night. Finally, when you get to the end of that and just say, God, what do I do? And you do what he says. Then all of a sudden, God takes over. And the stuff that he does is way crazier than you ever thought would be possible you'll find that your expectations have been the very thing that have stopped you from ever getting the best in life that will cause your heart to change but you've got to have that experience where you obey what God says for your life you take a step in faith believing that what God says is true it can only happen through faith but as soon as you obey what God says then there's a great catch of fish that's waiting on you Not only will it affect your life, it'll affect the lives of those people that are around you who have been fishing the way you've been fishing all of your life. I have a word to say today to those of you who have been worried about what people think about you, which I'm confident is probably half of you. Okay, I know I'm not the only one. I'm fairly confident about half of us are worried about what people think about us. And if you're there today, I have something to tell you, that if you get to the end of worrying about that, that God will take care and become everything that you've been looking for. But as long as you're depending on what someone thinks about you, you're never going to walk out with God and just do what he says. I had people challenge me, spiritual people, people who claim to have a relationship with God and a strong one, who have challenged me this past week and said basically that what I said and what I taught was wrong. And I responded to that by allowing Satan to get in my mind and, and make me go fish for, what's, for, being, for being approved of by those people. And then when I fished all night, woke up the next morning, everything I read was God saying, you don't worry about anything but one thing. You love me, serve me, spend time with me, obey me, and watch what life. Watch what I'm going to show those people about what, good, what the good life is. Watch the contentment that comes and the joy that comes. So what is it for you? What have, what have you been trying to hold on to? The only way you're ever going to know what God has for you and how good he is and how complete he is is to give up that thing, to, to, to serve it till it doesn't satisfy, and then quit serving it, quit going after it. What happens with Peter? Peter obeys, and then all of a sudden this God-exclusive event happens. You need that in your life. God wants you to have that, and it's the only thing that will change your heart. Somebody else's God-exclusive event is not going to change your heart. The fact that I'm telling you don't worry about what people think about you is not going to be enough to change your heart. You need God to give you your own experience. So go after that. He's in your boat. Do what he says. What will the result be? Look at what happens with Peter, verses 8 to 11. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that, that they had taken. And so were also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Come and follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And here's what they did. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Two things and we're done. Number one, here's what happens. When you obey what God says and God does what only he can do in your life and he shows you that what you've been, what you've been fishing for all of your life is what's, what makes life joyful and worth living and fulfill, fulfilling, once you follow him and he does his activity in your life, then, then your heart changes. Look at what happened to Peter. First, first response is this. Y'all ready? Don't tune this out, man. Here's, the, here's what we've been preaching for right here. First response of a genuine in- encounter with Jesus. When he speaks, you obey, and he does what only he can do in your life. First response is he fell to his knees and repented. He said, I've been stupid. Now he I don't I don't know that he cried or wept. I don't know what his response was. But, but he responded by, by worshiping Jesus and saying, I've been pursuing this all of my life, and that's not what's worth living. I would rather, yesterday or earlier today, I would rather wash my nets than hear what you have to say, than obey a command that you would give me. Now, I'm, my heart has been radically changed. And that's going to happen for you. The first response is going to be Repentance. It's going to be, I am a a pitiful person. Why do you even come to me? Even if you're spiritual, very religious, some of you are the ones that he needs to come to. and You need to realize that your religion has been the thing that's been stealing away your relationship with Jesus. But he's going to come to you. And your first response, response when he does something that only he can do in your life is going to be repentance. It's going to be, I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want this same priority in my life anymore. Second thing, it's going to be a total life change. Imagine that you are a fisherman. You fish for a living. You make, you make your means by, and take care of your family and all the people that you know, probably his father and his grandfather, everybody's fishermen. He's been fishing all of his life. Imagine That Jesus comes onto your boat, tells you where to fish, and you catch more fish than you've ever caught in your life, so much so that you almost lost your boat, and so did your friends for bringing the fish in. I mean, massive catch of fish. Huge success in business. And yet Peter doesn't respond by telling Jesus, hey, if you could come back tomorrow and tell me where to fish again, that would be really cool. Or I'll tell you what, I'm not going to fish for a couple of weeks, uh, but, but a couple of weeks from now, if you didn't mind, can, can you work a little time in where you come, step on my boat, we do that thing again, and you tell me where to cast my net. Can we do that? You know, because that's what a lot of us do when we have in some kind of God-exclusive activity in our life. God comes in and does something that only God can do, and then we make a shrine out of the thing that God created. Y'all with me? God comes and heals somebody, and all of a sudden, life is all about healing. No, it's not. It's about the healer. God comes in and provides money, and all of a sudden, we're all about money. No, we're about the God who created money. You know, we, we miss it if we, if we we're just asking Jesus to come back and give us more, give us more, give us more, more stuff. We got the right attitude if we say, I'm going to follow you wherever you go because I want more, more, more you not more of your stuff. I want more of you. And the response that Peter has and, and, the, and James and John have is just a few hours ago, you were sitting on the shore, both of you, washing your nets while I was preaching the word. And now we're giving up our boats. We're not, I, it doesn't say that they even kept the fish. Their boats are full of fish and it says they left their nets to follow him. Now I assume they probably didn't just immediately leave, but maybe they did but they leave their nest. they leave the fishing job, they leave everything, and they're going to follow the person. That is abiding. That's what it means to abide in Christ. It's over and over again in our lives. Asking God, what is your will for my life? Letting God onto our boats and then listening to what he has to say. Letting the general word of God make its way into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Hearing what he says. Obeying immediately because obedience is easy. You just do what God says. Not letting Satan steal away this heart change that God wants us to have. And our hearts keep growing fuller and fuller and fuller as we come to understand more and more about who God is through the things that he does. And we come to know that God is our provider, that God is the one that makes life fulfilling. He's the one that brings joy. He's the one that brings contentment. He's the one that does everything. And literally, everything is found in Him. And we recognize that. Abiding is what we're about at the gathering place. This is who we are. We want to let God onto this boat, we want to embrace Him when He's here. We want to listen to his guidance. We want to do everything that he tells us to do. We don't want to follow patterns and traditions and logic unless God gives us things that are traditional and logical. But we want God to speak to us. We want to learn to hear his voice more clearly. And we want to obey what he says so that we can have these experiences with Christ where he reveals himself to us so we can know him. It's interesting. In John, I think it's six, sixty-six. Jesus says some words about his death, and describes it in in using the terms from from uh, from the Passover feast, and says, "You will eat my flesh and drink my blood." And then the Bible says in John six sixty-six that many no longer followed him. And Jesus asks them, "Are you going to forsake me too?" The twelve. Here's what Peter says. You have the words of life. How how can we leave you? You have the words of life. Y'all get the difference between what a man washing his nets thought about the words of life and now a man who caught a great catch of fish through obedience, how he sees the things that Jesus says, how he receives the words that Jesus says? It's a totally different person, a transformed heart, a guy didn't care about the word of God, didn't care to hear it, didn't care to apply it. Now all of a sudden his whole life would be void. He says, where would we go for you have the words of life? Where where would we go if we forsake you? We're not going to do like these guys did because you have the words of life. We need you to speak to us, to tell us what to do. We want to encounter you and know you. We can't go anywhere else. And when that becomes the words that come from your heart toward God, then you've been TGPized. All right. When that becomes the cry of your heart to God, God, I can't, I, I just want you to tell me what to do. I just want to obey you in everything. Just know my heart. When that becomes the cry of your heart to God, I can't do anything. I don't want to go anywhere you have the words of life, speak to me because I want to know you. When that becomes the cry of our heart, then that distinctive of the Gathering Place Church will be legitimately in this body and will make its way into this community. And when we sing on Sunday mornings and we're saying to him, what am I supposed to do with all my kingdoms, my fishing industry, whatever it is, with my kingdoms next to you, You're the Lord. Right? That becomes the cry of our hearts. That becomes legitimate to us. We can't sing those words without meaning. them. I could have the world and more, but they're all nothing next to you. That's, That's my prayer for our body. My prayer is that we will take this message, take this story. God will keep it on our hearts this week. If you haven't already dealt with your kingdom, that you can keep on working on, investing in, that's making you miserable. Or if you're not miserable yet, just I'm going to pray God will get you to the end of yourself. That you'll fish this week again, and fish till you can't fish anymore, and, until you catch nothing. And then realize, just get this message today. Realize, here's the truth of the gospel. Jesus is already there. Stepped onto your boat. And he's ready to give a command. Do what he says. And see what happens. God has a great life ahead for all of us. Fulfilling, joyful, exciting, fun, blessed. And it's waiting on us. It's waiting on you. And this community needs to see that that's who our God is. All right, let's pray. Father, I don't feel like I did justice to this today, but I know that your spirit has. I know that every heart has heard what they need to hear because that's who you are. The story tells us that. That you come to us. Even when we're washing nets and we're busy about doing our routines, you come to us. And your word has been spoken. And Lord, I am confident that you have taken your word and your sheep have heard your voice. And they will follow you. My prayer is that they will follow you quickly rather than slowly. My prayer is that they will relinquish their will for your will today. And that from now on, their will will be your will. That whatever you desire will be what they desire because their hearts have been transformed. And they've had their own experience and encounter with the the living God. God, convince our hearts of that today. Let us be a church that simply abides in you. Our part's so easy, God, because you are more than capable of doing our part and yours. So help us just to, to act, and God, show us more of who you are today. Transform our hearts.